Welcome to the June 5th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 45 through 47. And the sermon is entitled, It's Your Life, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. Good morning, Clifford Baptist Church. There you go. Glad you are here today. We have folks from all over the place here today. And I want to say what a great, great honor it is to have you here. If you're here every Sunday, thank you. God bless you. If you've traveled from Lynchburg or some parts unknown in Virginia, thank you. Uh, And we have folks here, of course, family from Maryland uh, taking over things at the house, and we're glad of that. Uh, Gosh, we have uh, uh, folks from all over the place. I had a a list of uh, states here, and I can't find it now, but let's see, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia was here last week. Massachusetts is here this week. Uh, Gwen's good friend Marge Jean came back from Massachusetts to share this day. Texas is represented. The Lewises are here with us today. We're members here quite a few years ago, 20 years ago as a matter of fact. Traveled in from Texas to be with us. So God bless you. Thank you. If you're online with us, thank you so much for joining us today. Today is a day of worship. Amen. This is a day that we give the glory and the honor and the praise to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I want to tell you that I am fully packed up with handkerchiefs. I've got one in this pocket. I've got one in this pocket. Uh, I also have one in this pocket. Now, it really gets heavy duty if I pull this one out. Okay? If you see this one, it's serious. But, uh, you know... I'm so thankful Pastor Tom had us see those screens as we sang uh, that first song, uh, Find Us Faithful. And I'm thankful for the faithfulness of God to my family. You know, so many folks say, we're so thankful that you've stayed at Clifford Baptist Church. But really the other side of that that I see it from is Clifford Baptist Church allowed me by God's grace to be here 40 years. What a blessing, what an honor, what a praise I give to him for you. Thank you so much for allowing our family to be here all of these years. Now, as I start this sermon, i got to tell you, I want to give you a little life history here. You don't know the creature of habit that I am. But I do things kind of by pattern. Gwen is nodding her head very much so. Here's a prime example. Every sermon for 40 years, I have begun that sermon on Monday mornings. My primary study, my primary time spent in God's Word, getting the skeleton of that sermon together, uh, is on Monday mornings from about 8.30 till about noon. Uh, I work on sermon, and then I kind of put the meat on the bones through the week, and as I work on it and rework through it. But I want you to know, for 40 years, it has always been pencil to paper. I have never created a sermon on a computer, nor will I ever create a sermon on a computer. You know why I do that? I believe that we're going to see, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, one of these days, you are going to see your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Revelation chapter 20. It will not be a computerized signature. It will be by the hand of God. Now, as I get my pencil out, my paper out, it's not just any old kind of paper. It is college-ruled notebook paper. The reason I do that is because I know that four pages of college-ruled notebook paper in my scribbling is going to be a full sermon. Some of you said you should have used three and a half pages. But four pages is 
a full sermon. Also, not any old pen or pencil will do. I have a sermon pencil. It is a mechanical pencil that I have used for years, and I cannot lose it, and if it ever breaks, I will give it a proper burial. <laughs> a Christian burial, because it's been a Christian pen. That pencil has meant a lot to me over the years, but on Monday's college-ruled paper, my trusty sermon pencil and I sit down at a desk, and I open up the Bible to the passage I'm going to work on, and I pull in the study books close, and I say, okay, Lord, you and me, this paper is empty. Help me, guide me, direct me to give the Word of God to your people. It's always been him and me, him first. And he's always led me and guided me in that. Two Mondays ago, for example, I, I sat down to do this sermon two Mondays ago. And as I sat down, my prayer was a little different. Lord, as I begin this sermon, how in the world do I begin to say thank you? How do I begin to even express the way I feel about this church, which is my life's blood? Lots of tears and lots of laughter and joy over the years. So I asked the Lord, how do I, how do I put together something that will address the years that this church has loved my family? Certainly I have to include my family's love for this congregation, for Gwen and for Carrie and for Gabriel, for the love that you have given to us and that you've given to them. This is their one and only church. Uh, for Gwen and me, we have a home church, certainly. A church that loved us and raised us. But this has been the church that God has allowed us to be our ministry for life. And, and you know, Clifford Baptist Church now got our years of youth. They got our years of strength. You, the Lord used the years of those middle uh, 20s and 30s and 40s. He allowed us to serve here in this place. How do I say thank you? For so many who have come to the service from all over the place today. How do I do that? So I brought those questions to the Lord and I said, Lord, how do I even begin to frame out a thank you? And he said, Mike, just say thank you. Because your congregation knows your heart. And I do thank you. I, I, I can't express the appreciation that we have for this church family. As Pastor Clyde said, you haven't seen the end of us. We're not moving away. We're, we're going to be right here around the corner. But I want you to see in the bulletin some of the high watermarks of ministry here. Uh, you will notice it says 250 weddings. I want to say roughly 250 weddings. I'll tell you why. Because as I began in 1982, the church didn't have a copy machine. And so all I did when I did a wedding was sign the wedding license and stick it back in the mail and did not keep a record of it. Now, wasn't that dumb? <laughs> so from 1982 to 1994, I don't have a record of the weddings that I did at Clifford Baptist Church. Wasn't that dumb? But that's true, those 12 years. So obviously in 1995... The church got a, a copy machine, and I began making copies of the licenses, and I think it was 180 licenses that I have, so I'm roughly estimating about 250 weddings uh, over these 40 years. I do have every funeral service that I've officiated. I've kept every one of them in a file. I've been through them all just in these recent days, flipping through these 
these names and these lives that have touched me and led me and blessed me and that we said farewell and we'll see you again one day through Jesus Christ. Uh, certainly church members, people who served as my heroes, people who served as mentors, people who served as parents and grandparents in so many ways, uh, and then also community members, funerals here in our community, and family members, uh, and church family over the years, 605 funerals uh, over those years. Well, as you can well imagine, all of the blessings for me, but here's one of the greatest blessings of all, the number of baptisms over 40 years. It's quite amazing if you've seen it in the bulletin. So the other day, I thought, who was the first person I baptized at Clifford Baptist Church? And I dug through the books, and I found two names, a young, young teenager and an older person who was an adult and a parent, and I always baptize the younger people first. So I knew I'd baptize this teenager first, and her name at that day was Joyce Johnson. Jo Joyce Johnson Joseph is right there on the back pew, my first baptism in 1982. After Joyce, 819 more followed. Praise God. It would fill up this sanctuary here, the number of people baptized in these 40 years. That's an amazing number to me. Well, as you can imagine, I have a million stories, stories that run the gamut of emotions from, from deep grief to the greatest of joys. And let me give you one that I think about often. And the reason I think of this story, and I think about it almost every time I open a microwave oven. And there's a reason for that. I'm going to tell you this story. It happened in the mid-1980s. We had two church members here who served really as our grandparents, Erston and Corinne Cash. Uh, Gwen and I came to love them. They kind of just put their arms out and took us in. We were in our 20s, and, and they were in their 80s, and they just took us in and loved on us, and they invited us to dinner all the time. And I'm so glad because Gwen was just learning to cook in those days. <laughs> She's a good cook now, but in that day, a little questionable. Corinne Cash was the first person to fix me chitlins because Erston loved them, and I came to like them too. It's an acquired taste, but you ought to try. <laughs> I hear you, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, back in the day, microwave ovens were just beginning to get popular. And Erston and Corinne Cash had a microwave oven. Gwen and I talked about buying a microwave oven, but they were expensive in that day. And so we were saving up the nickels and the dimes maybe one of these days to get one of those huge monstrosities that sat on the cabinet that was a microwave oven in the day. So, so I simply, before dinner, I went to Corinne, and I kind of went behind Gwen's back because I was thinking about buying one. I said, Corinne, do you like your microwave oven? And she hesitated for a moment. She said, yes, I like it all right, but the only thing I use it for is heating up the cat food. We sat down to dinner. I said, God, don't you let me see one thing come out of that microwave oven because I don't want it to smell like little friskies. I think of that story all the time. Well, I have thousands more 
And maybe tonight I'll give you another 500 or so in our little meeting outside. But I prayed over this closing sermon, and God directed me to a man in the Bible who was also finishing up 40 years of leadership in the people of God. His name was Moses. One of the greatest men who ever walked planet Earth. One of the godliest men who ever walked the Earth. And after he had led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and 40 years in the wilderness, God brought Moses and the Israelites to the very tip edge of the promised land. But God said, Moses, this is as far as you're going. You can look over and you can look into the promised land, but you're not going to lead the people in. I'm going to allow someone to take the baton from you. His name is Joshua, and he's going to take the Israelites on into the promised land. But you're going to stop here at 40 years. This is your ministry conclusion here, Moses. So Moses, at this 40-year mark, has some words to say to Israel. I want you to take your Bible, if you have it today, and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Now, as you're turning to chapter 32, let me just say that if you were to go on up to chapter 33, these are also words of Moses, but he'd gone up on the mountain, and now these are words of praise for Israel toward God. But chapter 32 is Moses' words to Israel themselves. And I want you to look at just a couple very important verses in Deuteronomy chapter 32. These are the last words that Moses spoke to his people. They're in verses 45 through 47. So go there, Deuteronomy 32, go to verse 45. Hear these words as Moses speaks them to the people of Israel. The last words he says to them. And Moses made an end of speaking all of these words to all Israel, and he said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do all the words of this law. For it is not a vain thing for you, because, here it is, it is your life. I want you to live by all the words of this law, which we would call the Bible today. Of course, Moses is the author of the first five books of your Old Testament, the Pentateuch, written by Moses. And he said, I want you to live by all the words of God's law, God's Bible. I want you to live by those words. And it's not a vain thing for you to do because it is your life. It is the centerpiece of everything you are, is the Word of God. Follow the Word of God in your lives, in your hearts, and especially, he makes a point of saying, in your homes, in your families. Bring these words to your children. Raise your family in the words of God. And Moses closes his ministry by saying, set your heart there, and don't move to the right or to the left. Live the Word of truth. Walk in the Word of God, and lead your family to live it. And Moses ends his word by saying, follow the Lord, leading your family. It's not just a part of your life. It is your life. I believe those are fitting words. They were spoken 3,000 years ago, but aren't they alive today? We are to live the words of God's word in our homes, in our families, in our church. This is not just a little add-on to our life. This is life. This is what life is about. 
loving and serving and living for a Savior who loves us, who gave himself for us. Moses says here, follow the Lord because it's everything you are and everything you do. It is the compilation of your life. Everything you have in life connects to the hub of God's blessing and God's word in your life. It's not a piece of who you are. Moses said it's all you are. Still true today. It's all we are as we live for our God. So church, today is a very simple message. A lot of people have said, I can't wait to hear your last message. Well, it's a very, very simple message today. Keep moving forward in making Jesus Christ your life. You're living. You're following his footsteps. You know, really the success of my ministry and Gwen's ministry among you is how we move from this point forward. That, that we bring you to this transitional point and you move forward in the ministry of Jesus Christ and in making the Word of God and your service to Him your life. So today I'm so thankful for this moment that we share together. You know, some, as I think back, I'm amazed by the things I remember that people say about sermons. But someone wrote this about a sermon, I've never forgot it. Someone said, how many of you remember all the meals you had in your life? Well, none of us can remember. You might remember a special anniversary meal or a special Christmas meal or something of that nature, but you don't remember every meal of your life. And yet this person said, even though you don't remember every one of the meals, every one of them gave you nourishment to bring you to this point of life. Now, when you think back over 40 years of sermons, you don't remember every one of those sermons, and neither do I. Sometimes I pull out a sermon that I preached 15 or 20 years ago, and I look at it and say, well, I don't remember saying that. We don't remember all the sermons, but here's my prayer, is that with each sermon, Clifford Baptist Church got spiritual nourishment that brings us to this point today. And that we are nourished to the point that we want to and are willing to and are ready to continue to move forward as the people of God in a world that desperately needs a Savior. <laughs> this is not a stopping point. This is a new beginning point. And we're to see it that way. But I do remember one sermon in particular. I preached it first on November 3rd, 1985. And the title of the sermon is Faith and Faithfulness. And I've preached that sermon several times. I've gone back to it. I've reworked it. I've revised it. Uh, I've gone through it. I've preached it in several revival services and other churches over the years. But here's the main point of the sermon. Now listen to this. This is so very important. Because this has been a guide for me for so long. God desires. It is God's heart that every man and woman and boy and girl come to Jesus Christ in faith as his or her Savior. You come to Jesus in faith. The faith of saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you as the perfect Lamb of God, you shed your blood for me on the old rugged cross. You died in my place of punishment so that I could be forgiven of my own personal sin. And that applies to every one of us because the Bible says all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. So all of us, every one of us, it's God's desire and God's heart that we come to that moment of faith that we lay down our life and lay down our sin and surrender to Jesus Christ as our Savior in faith, trust, 
belief. God desires for every one of us to know Jesus as the way and the truth and the life, as it says in John 14, 6. That's true for every person in the house here. It's true for every person online who is watching today. Wherever you are in the United States or the world, Jesus is inviting you to come to him as Lord and Savior. He wants his desire, his heart, is that every person know Jesus in faith as Savior. But, listen, when you have true saving faith in him, then it is God's expectation that you will be faithful to him. Faith in him brings faithfulness to him. It changes your life. As I've said often from this pulpit, if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, he changes your life. If you can say, I know Jesus, but I've never changed, you don't know Jesus yet. He changes us. He changes our thoughts. He changes our will. He changes what we know is important because we're following his will and not our own. So faith in Christ brings faithfulness to Christ. With that thought, I want you to turn with me one more passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 12. Go there quickly. Mark chapter 12 in your New Testament. I think you will know this story very, very well. A, a written account in the life of Jesus. Mark 12, go to verse 41. Listen to these words. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 32, you underline the word life. I want you to underline the last word of that passage, the word living. Because there's a great correlation between what the Old Testament and the New Testament is saying here. Jesus on the temple grounds in Jerusalem with his disciples were people watching. Don't you love the people watch? I love the people watching Walmart. There's all kinds of people in Walmart. But Jesus, in particular, was watching the treasury box, the collection box that was outside of the temple where people put in their offerings. And people would walk by and put in what they were going to put in and keep on going. So he and the disciples were people watching, people dropping in all of their offerings at the, at the offering box, and rich people, maybe even religious leaders, who were wealthy, came by and they put large amounts of money in that temple offering box. And in fact, they wanted to be conspicuous about it. They wanted everyone to see, I'm putting in a big offering in the temple. Watch me as I put it in the offering box. And they would wait until the crowds were watching to get worldly attention that they'd put in such money in the box. But Jesus wasn't impressed. He said, these rich people who are putting that money in the box are just doing it for show. It's not for the kingdom of God. It is for a pat on their back. 
And he said they just skimmed off the top of everything that they have and they don't miss what they're putting in the temple offering box. But Jesus then watched at a distance a little widow woman who came and quietly and discreetly slipped in what we would know as two pennies. The least amount of money that you could slip in, two pennies. Nobody noticed. Nobody was impressed. In fact, nobody really cared. She just walked by and quietly put in her two pennies and kept on going. As she thought not a soul in the world saw her. But Jesus said to his disciples, she put in more than everybody else. These these guys just gave a little pittance to God. These men who put in those big amounts in the temple box, they threw a scrap off of their table to God. But she put in her life. She put in all of her living. She is so surrendered to God in faith that she gave everything she had in faithfulness to him not knowing where her next meal would come from. She just trusted God for that. This little lady came quietly with a deep faith. She gave everything she had, and above all, she was faithful to her God. Jesus said in Mark 12, 44, that she gave all of her living, she gave her life to him. She gave her life to God, including her material possessions, So Jesus' words here line up exactly with what Moses says to the Israelites a thousand years earlier than Jesus' day. It's your life. It's your living. It's the composition of all you are given to the Lord. Don't lose that truth, church. It's our life. It's what we do for the Lord Jesus Christ with our life. Every man, woman, boy, and girl of faith is called to be faithful. Total surrender to our holy God. You know, the world offers thousands of alternative attractions. Don't get lost in the attractions, church. Don't get lost in the little things of the world. Keep the main thing the main thing. Amen? Keep the main thing, Jesus Christ, the main thing of your life. He is life. And He deserves our surrender. And He deserves our all. So, Church, listen, as we give our life to the Lord, some of us say, maybe like this little widow, I don't have much, and nobody will ever notice. Nobody will know what I give. And that is probably true for many of us. But we're to be faithful with whatever God asks us to give because it will be valuable in the kingdom of God. You know, that little widow woman thought that not a soul in the world saw her, but the God of the universe saw her. And he saw her heart. And he saw her faith. And he saw her faithfulness in what she gave to him. So, listen, if your talent, your ministry is great or small, you be faithful, church. Be faithful to the God in whom we have faith. Give your best, give your all. Just remember that he said he will bless the one who offers a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Remember, you'll be blessed when you hold those babies in the nursery. Remember, you'll be blessed when you teach those children in vacation Bible school and Sunday school. Remember, you'll be blessed when you take a hot meal to a needy family. Remember, you'll be blessed when you visit that nursing home, somebody who's lonely there. 
Remember, you'll be blessed when you stop by that child's house and pick them up and bring them to church. Both Gwen and I had that experience that somebody else stopped by our house and picked us up and took us to church. And here we are today. Don't think your ministry is too small. Whether it is large, where the public will see it, such as preaching behind a pulpit, or whether it is small that the public never sees, remember that the God of the universe sees. And He blesses you through that. Church, I've seen you grow in ministry in 40 years. I'm not the same man I was when I came 40 years ago. God has taught me and grown me and matured my faith. He's shown me family and love and life and home from 25 years old to 65 years old. We've grown together. And I am thankful and proud is not a word that's in the Bible in a positive way, but I am proud to say that we have grown in faith. And Clifford Baptist Church, you've grown in faithfulness. Now, here we are at this juncture point. At this juncture point. You continue growing in your faith, and you continue growing in your faithfulness, and you continue walking forward in the Lord Jesus Christ. My, my prayer is that you will continue to walk forward in your faithful service to the Lord Jesus Christ under the ministry of Pastor Jeffrey. You stand behind him. You be a blessing to him. You love him. And you follow, as the Lord directs him, you follow his leading. So I'm going to ask right now if Pastor Jeffrey and Terry and Levi and Ethan, is everybody in the room? Come up here. And I'm going to ask for a, a family that God gave me that was raised right here in Little Clifford, Virginia. I want Gwen and Carrie and Gabe to come here. Terry, Jeffrey, Ethan and Levi, here's a family God gave us here. And I'm proud to say, Terry and Jeffrey, that God used this church and this family to raise two great young people who love Jesus. And I'm so proud of you, Gabe and Carrie. Proud of what you do. I'm proud of the family you have. And this is, this is the family that raised you. When you got out of our hands, they took care of you. <laughs> Ethan and Levi, God bless you to be young men as you grow up that you'll serve Jesus that you'll give your life to the Lord I know you're already men of faith but you continue to be faithful you grow in faithfulness so this is a moment that I pass a baton so Randy if you would you know the church I don't know if you've ever noticed this out front because we had to put up something that was in kind because our church sign sits in a highway setback. So we couldn't put a big, flashy, brand new, huge sign up. We had to replicate the old sign. I don't know if you've even noticed there's a new sign in front of the chapel, but it's a new sign out there, about two months old. But we kept one part off of it that I pass uh, to Jeffrey today. That goes on the church side. Love you. Hang out on that sign. Now, before everybody sits down, let me get the rest of the family up here. Karen and boys, Joey, look what God has done for the Fitzgerald family over these 40 years. And there's one more on the way. 
<laughs> All right. As I said last week, if I run a little late today, what are you going to do? No, as I close the sermon today, as I pass the baton, I know Pastor Jeffrey is going to do the job that God wants him to, and I know you're going to follow him in faithfulness. But as I close, let me close the same way I've closed every service for 40 years. If today you're here or you're watching online on stream today and you've never said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Clifford Baptist Church is not about the people gathered here. It's not about the pastors, not about the deacons. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We stand for him in faith and faithfulness because it's all about a Savior who loves us so much and he went to a cross and died for us. If you've never come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never had a relationship with him, I'm not offering a religion to you. I'm offering a relationship to you where Jesus, your Savior, walks with you every single day and guides your steps and guides your life. If you've never had that relationship with him, you can come today and you can say, Lord Jesus, I believe in faith that you died on a cross for me. You laid down your life. You bled and died on the cross that I might be forgiven. And I believe also, Lord, on the third day that you rose from the grave, the firstborn of the living, that I might have eternal life, that I will live with you for all eternity. I want that relationship with you, Lord. I've never asked you before, but today I'm coming before you and I'm laying down my sin and I'm sorry for what I've done against you, but I want to accept you as my Lord and my Savior. If you've never done that, this moment in this house, if you're here, you can come to this altar and receive him. He publicly died on a cross. I believe a public pronouncement is a very important thing. If you need him, you come. Pastor Clyde and Pastor Jeffrey are going to be here today to receive you. If you're online, you kneel where you are, in your kitchen, in your living room, somewhere sitting in your car, you just come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He will receive you and accept you as his son or daughter wherever you are. And that's the good news that we stand for, and that's the good news of faithfulness that we walk forward in. If you need him, you come today. If you want to rededicate your life to him, saying, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. I will be faithful to you. You come. Church home, whatever the need, the Lord Jesus meets us in this place. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, thank you, Lord, for letting us live life together these years. And we will continue to live life together. The pattern will be a little different, but we're going to be in this community, Father, and I thank you for that. Thank you for this people of God who took in a young man right out of seminary, 25 years old, never been a pastor before. So really this day for me is about Clifford Baptist Church taking a chance, following the will of God in a young man's life who'd never pastored before. Thank you that they took me in. And Gwen and I got married three months later and they took her in too. They saw our family come and grow up and get married. Thank you that we've lived life well in this community, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the way this church has loved Gwen and Carrie and Gabe and me and our families. Help us, Lord, all of us to live faithfully for you every day ahead. I pray, Father, for my church that we will rededicate our lives to following the footsteps of Jesus. I pray for my church to completely follow Pastor Jeffrey in being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ in ministry. Bless him and Terry and his boys, Lord. Bless this family as they take that baton of leadership. 
And when I see Clifford Baptist Church following Pastor Jeffrey, it will be the crown of my pastorate, seeing the church move forward and following Jesus. Bless us in that, I pray, Father. And most importantly today, Lord, bless that one who says, I want to come to Jesus as my Lord and my Savior in faith, in trust, and in love. I give my heart to Jesus. I pray, Lord, for souls to be saved today and the kingdom of God to grow in faith. And then we will continue that walk of faithfulness in Jesus Christ. And it is in his precious name we pray together. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.